Hello, and welcome to the DMV Business Show, a weekly show where we get to meet local business and community leaders in the DC, Maryland, and Virginia area. They get to impact their story and how they got there. You can expect to hear advice and learn about their journey and how they went from point A to point B. My name is Odo Sevilla, and I'm a commercial real estate advisor in the local DC, Maryland, and Northern Virginia area. I have been very fortunate to have worked with many amazing entrepreneurs and executives from startup founders to international Fortune 500 companies. And one of the things I love about what I do is I get to form these great relationships with some interesting people. I get to know them and I learn about how it all started. And I love hearing a good business story. When I'm not working in commercial real estate, I just also happen to be the host of this show. So please enjoy and welcome to the DMV Business Show. Hello everyone, welcome to the DMV Business Show. I'm your host, Odo Sevilla, and today I have a very special guest for you that I know personally. Lou Cardenas Luis is the owner and president of Bargain Movers. Welcome to the show, Luis. Hey, thanks, Odo. Pleasure to be here, man. Thank you. I know this is a long time that I've been waiting for this, so I'm, I'm very anxious and excited to, to get this thing rolling. Um, for people who may not know who is, what is Bargain Movers, if you can just briefly explain to them who is Bargain Movers. Yeah, not a problem. Um, Bargain Movers is a small family owned and operated moving company based here in Montgomery County. Uh, we relocate uh, residential, commercial, we provide storage services um, for all your relocation needs. Fantastic. Are you originally from the DC, Maryland, Virginia area? Yeah, I actually grew up here. Um, I uh, grew up in Montgomery County, grew up in Rockville. I uh, was native here. I went to uh, Rich Montgomery High School uh and uh stayed here until i uh until i went to college i went to school up in pennsylvania and then came back to montgomery county so i, I know this area pretty well so growing up most of your youth you would say was in montgomery county rockville area right yeah it was all here um from you know rockville and twinbrook area uh and then now you know we live up in clarksburg area now and just I've seen the transformation of Montgomery County where when, you know, King Farm, when I grew up, was actually a farm. You know, we didn't have all these townhouses and single family homes out there and everything. So it's it, it's evolved quite a bit. Yeah, it's definitely been a big change in this area. Are you know, growing up in Montgomery County, do you remember, I want to take you briefly back to your youth days. What were yeah. you into? What did you like? Any activities or sports? That yeah, man, I, you know, I, I don't know, I'm an only child. So I had to kind of find things to do as an only child, right? So I got really involved with sports. I was a, I was a competitive swimmer. I played football. I played soccer uh, all through elementary, junior, and, and high school. Uh, and, and, and then I also worked at a lot of restaurants locally, you know, growing up. So, you know, at 15, started working in restaurants, Bennigan's, Houston's, you, you, you name it. So those are the kind of things that occupied my time as a, growing up here. With swimming, I'm curious, did you do it all through, I guess, elementary, junior, high school, or when did you stop with that? Yeah, I I, threw it, I did it through high school. I was actually okay. a competitive, I was I was a competitive swimmer. I swam at RMSC for, for quite some time. So there was, there was 5 a.m. practices, and then you'd go back after school, and you'd have your 4.30 practice and, and so forth. So um, I was real competitive up until high school. And then in high school, I kind of weaned off and, and I didn't go to college. But, you know, I was an all-met, uh, all-county swimmer uh, in Montgomery County. Oh, wow. I was asking just, as you know, I have three boys. And, you know, I, I always try to expose them to different things and activities or sports, whatever they sort of like. And one of the main things I've always, my wife and I, was swimming. You know, we, you know we've, they've done soccer, basketball. My middle one just recently did flag football. He doesn't want to continue with it. But I think swimming is such a great sport as far as your development. Um, but making the team, you have to be pretty good. I'm just talking about personal experience right now dealing with my younger ones. Yeah, no, I mean, it, I love the sport. It, it is something that uses every part of your body. And whether you know it or not, you're getting a great workout and staying in shape um, by just swimming. And, and I, don't, I, I love the water. You know, I, I was always in the water no matter what. And, and it's just, it's your time. You like kind of zone out. You're, you're under there. It, 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 the, the competition is what I, I really liked. You know, you, okay. I, I was a sprinter. So when you're sprinting, you got two laps of the pool to go. And you're just like corner of your eye looking at it. Because it's, you know, tenths of a second that separate first and third. Right. Yeah. Uh, 
So that that kind of just was invigorating. I, I love that part of it. But yeah, man, I actually started trying to get back into swimming now, you know, 25, you know, whatever years later. Yeah. Um, because as we get older now and you haven't done anything, you need something to kind of keep that body going because we might think we're 25 in our head, but that body doesn't react the same way anymore. Yeah. So are you, are you actually getting back into it? Because I, I know you have a pool in the community where you live. So do you ever go get laps in? Yep, I, I, I do every so often, you know, once a week or so um, when I get some time out of here to go swim. I, I enjoy that. But, you know, it's like anything. You get back in the pool, you're like, wow, man. I used to be able to swim 20 laps like it was nothing. Nah, not anymore. <laughs> hey, you know, I'm sure if you do it consistently, you'll get up there again. Yeah. yeah. Well, we got to do something, right? I mean, and because again, as I are approaching older age and everything, if, if we concentrate all our efforts and work, 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 then the body just kind of fizzles mm -hmm. out. And, and then you can't do things that you want to do. Uh, so swimming will hopefully get me back into into that. So you mentioned after high school, you went up to Pennsylvania for college, right? Yep. So I went up to Shippensburg University. Um, I actually went to go play football uh, at, at college. Yeah. So I was uh, recruited from uh, by, by Shippensburg to play college, uh, to play football up there. But I wasn't, there was no, uh, no money. Uh, I mean, I was not getting a scholarship. It was a, you know, D, sure. D2, D3 school. And then at that time, I had hair down to here. Okay, really? I had, really, I had long hair. Yeah, man. You need to show me one of those pictures one day. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Go find one. Uh, very few and far between now. Um, but as soon as they told me that I had to, as a freshman, I had to cut, I had to shave my head. I said, nah, man. I said, I'm not cutting my hair. So I didn't play football, you know, because I wasn't going to be a starter. I was going to probably, you know, be second string there or whatnot. And, and I wasn't shaving my head. It's just what it came down to. I, and then I said, no. So I, I never, I didn't play, I, I didn't play uh, football there, but my roommate was a football player. You know, I hung out with some of the guys that I, that I had met up there, uh, spent a, spent a few years there, um, but actually had to get called back after my, my, my first semester. Uh, unfortunately, uh, that was 93. So my father battled cancer throughout his life. Uh, and that was the first time my father was diagnosed with cancer. So I came home for him and his surgery and everything um, and was here for about a year. And I went to Montgomery College uh, and then talking to a good friend of mine and and uh, from high school who I still talk to this day. And we were just, you know, chatting about what was going on, what are you going to do and, and so forth. And she said, Lou, you got to go back. to You got to go back to college. You, you, you can't you, you got to get back because this is what you need to do. This is your future and, and, and so forth. So I took her advice and, you know, I said, yeah, I, I got to go. My dad was okay. He was recovering. So I went back up to Shippensburg and then I, I finished up there with a uh, speech communication uh, major. And then after school, settled back down here and, and, you know, found some friends, got some roommates and started working in the restaurants again, because that's what I know. Uh, and then started looking for a job, you know, just like anybody out of college. What'd you end up finding? So when I when I came, I, I didn't know what I was going to do. You know, I'm a speech comm major. I'm a liberal arts guy. So, you know, at that time, I didn't really understand what a skill set of communication was. Just knew how to talk. Um, so they're like sales jobs. This is, what, I mean, this is what my dean told me. He's like, you're going to be a great salesperson. I said, okay. So I went and uh, I actually interviewed with a Sprint, a telecom. Um, and at that time, Sprint was divided into wireless and wireline divisions. And my job was going to be to sell long distance. So I was selling long distance at six and seven cents per minute. Right. And that's where it all started. And, and I was fortunate to get started there. Um, Sprint taught me a lot in the four years that I was there, or four or five years that I was there. Yeah. Uh, they've got a great corporate structure foundation uh, in, in training. Uh Things that I did not know that I was learning there that I applied to this business, right? So a funny thing is that when we get there, I was, you know, 23 years old. We had to learn the sprint story, right? The story of where it came from, who they are and all this. I'm like, and nobody wants to hear your sprint story. I'm a young kid and, and blah, 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 and this, but we had to learn it. Funny enough, today, my business is about our story. 
right? Where did we mm-hmm. come from? It's just a different feel when it's organically homegrown to you versus a corporate story, right? Yeah. But I learned that from there to create the story and and use those, you know, that into our business here today. Um, but I also learned I also learned from a lot of great people that I worked with. I mean, two of the guys that were mentors to me when I started there. Um, one of them is my financial advisor today. Uh, and the other one I still talk to probably once a week. Wow. At least. Right. Um, yeah, because I was really green. You know, these guys were a couple years, three, four years older than me. Mm-hmm. You know, they were up mid market enterprise level and I was general business and they just kind of took me under their wing and, and showed me things. And I just listened to them. Um, and again, long lasting forged relationships and friendships for Know, 25 years now. Wow. Yeah. So you, you were selling to general businesses when you started, right? Yeah. So general business was mom and pop, long distance, you know, what's your bill? Can I save you some money? Mm-hmm. And I called it dialing for dollars. I was in a huddle room, little conference room, 50 to 75 calls a day, giving them a pitch, getting hung up on. Okay. Every no gets you closer to a yes, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I did that for some time until um, I kind of moved up market. So I started in general business. Then I, I went to mid market um, and stayed there until uh, until I got recruited to do another job. But, yeah. you know, one of the cool things that people sometimes don't realize is, you know, what your skill sets really are. Right. And what I mean by that is I remember one time I had a conversation with my Uh, It wasn't even my manager. It was the the, uh, uh, mid-market level manager. And I was wanting to get on his team, right? I wanted to grow. And I said to him, hey, we're having a conversation. I said, you know, I just don't know what I want to do. If it's going to be this direction here selling, I I don't, you know, I don't have a skill set. Like I'm not a doctor. I'm not a lawyer. I can't just go get a job. And he looked at me and said, Lou, you've got the greatest skill set there is ever. Like, what are you talking about? He's like, you can communicate with people. I sat there upon it. So after he told me that, I looked at it in a completely different perspective. And it really launched me into a different frame of mind to where today, yeah, my skill set is communication. And without that, people can't do anything. Right. So he, ref- he he reframed my mind in that. And then I grew from there with him. And, you know, I was, I went to president's club a couple of years with them, you know, top 10 in the country uh, for, for, for sales. Um, and from there, I, uh, I got recruited to go work for the banks. Um, I'm very close to a lot of my fraternity brothers from college. Mm-hmm. And one of my fraternity brother's sister uh, was working for uh, a wholesale lender at the time. Uh, Long Beach mortgage back when subprime existed, if you know what that is and everything, yeah. right? <laughs> so she recruited me, <clears throat> kept asking me to come over. And I'm like, you know, I'm fine. I'm fine. You know, I'm at President's Club. I'm making six figures. What more do I need? She said, Just come have lunch with me. I said, okay, I'm going to have lunch with her. She sat me down. She literally pulled out a spreadsheet. She says, these are my sales reps. Here's their comp checks for the last six months. I quit Sprint the next day. And I left and go to work for her. I did. I built my own desk. Okay. This was in the, in, in the fires of, 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 of lending. Like every, it was just going gangbuster, right? It was this like was early 2000, 2004. Okay. Yeah, right. So 2004, I think it started where I literally, we, there was no room in the office. It, it was just growing so fast and there was no desks or anything. Terry was like, we got to get you a desk. Here you go. Go buy a desk bring it in. So I went to Ikea, wherever, bought a desk, spent that evening there, built the desk. I mean, I'm talking a little, a little, little station, right? Uh-huh. No more than that. Built the desk, got to work and I worked on a team because I, I I didn't know anything about, about lending. So, sure. so I, I came to be part of a team that he was, uh, we were very fortunate. We had a lot of good guys there. Um, he was like top five in the country um, for lending for, for Long Beach. Yeah. Wow. And uh, I spent a year with him okay. working, understanding the business, whatever I said, okay, I told you I'd give you a year, let me go. And I, I, you know, I left and then it, 
started my own my, uh, my own career with with them. But that was short lived because we all know what happened. You know, I was in with him with 2004 to 2005. So I had late five, oh, six, oh, seven myself. It's great. You know, it's just raining money. <laughs> and then it crashed. When you when you sat down with her that day, I think you said she, she said meet her for lunch and you saw those numbers and you immediately quit. What were the numbers you saw compared to what you were making over at Sprint? If you remember. Uh, these, yeah, these guys were making easily 50 grand a month. Okay. So okay. you're like, I'm, I'm done with Sprint. <laughs> I'm done with Sprint. You know, I had, you know, my best year at Sprint was probably over a quarter million dollars. Mm -hmm. Right. It's great. Loving it. But then you look at the possibility over here. I'm like, okay, all right, well, I'm out of here. So I left. I was just amazed because on my team, right, I could see my comp check and I could see my partner's comp check because I'd take a, a ride off of off of that, right? Yeah. Though that that first year, man, these comp checks the, 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 at that time, these comp checks were pushing six figures a month. It was unheard of. Like yeah. you, you're never, you're not going to find that again. It was just the anomaly in the market and we happen to be in the right place. Now I didn't make those comp checks. Let's just be clear. Right. Cause I, mm -hmm. when I, after I launched off, when I had two years um, before it all, you know, crashed and everything, but we did well. It was just very, it was a, it was a lucrative business. Lou being exposed at such a young age in your twenties to high producers, whether in telecom with sprint or even in lending, are they, and you becoming yourself a top producer as well, are there any specific traits you feel that they had that you had that, you know, maybe someone listening here can be like, hey, maybe I need to pick some of these things that maybe will help me in my business or in my career? Ah, you know. What sets them apart? What, the one, of the players? Big, one of the biggest things I, I, I would have to say, discipline, dedication, work ethic. The people who have that will succeed. You know, it's kind of like that, that fight or flight mentality. These people are all, all going to fight. They're, they're never going to run away. That's just their nature. That's their characteristic. And, and that's what really gets you to where you need to be. If you want to get to a certain level, right? Mm -hmm. Because it is a grind no matter what. I don't care what people tell you and, Oh, this is, you know, whatever, easy to get here or not. It, it's not. It's a daily grind. And if you're not willing to put in the time and the effort into that daily grind, you're not going to succeed, right? Nothing just comes of of, of nothing. So I, I'd say those three things are, are really what, what I see in them then. And I still see with people I talk to today uh, from a business perspective, right? And, and then you had to be accountable right? For, for what you're doing. Uh, and, and then that goes in with customer service. It's, it's like an evol evolution of things that kind of just build upon one another. And when you can piece all those little things together, you've got a great customer experience and the rest will kind of just write itself into people recognizing that. What was there anything you did, maybe any specific activity that you remember that when you started in Sprint, as you were there for four to five years, you know, started off green, didn't know much. And then moving up to, you said, middle market and then making six figures or multiple six figures there when you left. Was there anything that sort of besides that talk with your manager that switched your perspective? But as far as activity is concerned, was there anything there that you changed? So I, I think it was the. the the actual just doing the work, right? Learning from the people around me. Right? I, I, I say this a lot to my staff and so forth. We are the sum of the five people we surround ourselves with most, right? So choose wisely. So the people around me, like I didn't hang around too much of my general business. Folks, I was hanging out with the mid-market and the enterprise people seeing what they were doing and just looking, learning and, and, and copying those skill set, or, you know, I'd be walking down the the the, the hall there, and, and Crane, one of my my, my buddy, who was a mentor of mine there, is like, the "Golden hours, Cardan, what are you doing? Where are those phones at? You know?" And I, yeah, he's right. I got to get on these phones. I've not made my fifty calls today, right? That kind of like an accountability partner, 
Mm-hmm. So say, you know, and and they look out for you. And I think people can rec, you know, real recognizes real, right? So if people can see that in you, they're going to be willing to lend you a hand and kind of pull you through, because they don't want to waste their time. But truly successful people, I believe, just want to see other people successful. Yeah. Right? So that's where I, I you know, I, I I pulled from there and. Again, 25 years later, I'm still still friends with these guys. Yeah, I've even moved people I worked with 25 years ago that I worked with at Sprint, right? That found me and called me, hey, Lou, you know? Yeah, and, and I'm sure these habits too that you built back then have helped with you and your business as well. Yeah, it, it's all a, a building upon a foundation, right? And, and, and another thing which people don't do too often or I didn't do is reading. Okay. Get into some books that will really teach you and change your mindset. You know, um, I've read books from, you know, think and grow rich to infinite possibilities to, you know, rich dad, poor dad, you know, all the basic books that you have out there that every salesperson knows about, but reading them, applying those skills that you learn from there to your daily activity, your daily routine, mm-hmm. and the world changes. I, I, I tell you, one of the books I read, um, I forget even who, who referred it to me, but it, it was by Mike Dooley. It's called Infinite Possibilities. Okay. And it had nothing to do with the business and sales. It was about mindset, right? So, one of the biggest things takeaways from there is that your thoughts become things. That's so powerful. And if you apply it, it works. Like it took me through the visualization techniques of, you know, prior to going to bed, I would visualize about where I was going, what I was, you know, what I was going to accomplish, never worrying about the details. Don't worry about the details. Let the universe take care of that. But I practiced it and practiced it and practiced it. And, 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 you know, lo and behold, what I visualized back then has all come to fruition, right? The trucks, uh, the people, the company, the family, the, the, the all of it. Right. Um, but I, I think people don't think in that, in that, in that way. And they don't have that mindset. Um, and you can't do anything. I believe until you have a proper mindset because you can learn all the skills of the wor- in the world, but if you don't have the mindset to apply those skill sets to your daily routine, you know, what's that? You know, action without work is crap. Yeah. yeah. You know? it, it, it's so true. Now that you mentioned this book, these books, it just reminds me myself growing up, you know, I, I grew up in the city in DC and then moved to Maryland and still my, my environment, let's say the community, the neighborhood I was in, it wasn't the best schools. It, it wasn't, I wasn't growing up with doctors and lawyers as neighbors, you know, and you're still in this environment, but it was through books. I remember mostly business or let's say self-help books, what they call it with mindset and changing your perspective that sort of opened my personally, my horizons and just shifting my thinking because a lot of people where I grew up, some of them barely finished high school, barely even went to college. And I went to college, graduated and everything. And it's not the norm. And but the books, just like you said, it, it changed my perspective and my mindset. It was it, it was so important to me, <clears throat> that little bit, that, that that one takeaway that when my daughter was my daughter's eight and when I would, would carry her up to bed every day, every night, it was you know me who would carry her up to bed. And from a young age, six months, year, whatever, I would whisper in her ear, your thoughts become things. Your thoughts become things. And I would say this five to 10 times, carrying her to bed, carrying her to bed for, for a couple of years. <clears throat> One day, I think she was like five years old. And I said, hey, Angie. I said, your thoughts become things, daddy. You know, that little chip that I just planted in my daughter will change her life forever because I know it would have if I would have known that at a young age and comprehended it, right? So, uh, yeah, the, the, these things really, 
make an impact. Yeah, yeah, beautiful. I love that. So you, you leave the lending industry and, and then what happens next? I, I know there's a history and everything behind Bargain Mover. So what happens to, to your career afterwards? Yeah, so I left the lending industry by, you know, <laughs> by default because it blew up, right? It, it, everything came to a crashing end in, in, in 2008 because I was working with subprime. Subprime was, you know, the joke of lending of who could everybody get a loan. And then I went into the A paper side with with Washington Mutual. Um, and at, at one point it was just they were shutting down. Everything was getting closed. My dad got sick at the same time in, in late 2008. Cancer and again. Cancer again. Yep. He got sick again. Um, and and uh, it. This time it was uh, it was stage four, colon cancer. So I said, "All right, my dad's a stubborn old Colombian man. Okay, would not sit at home. Just kept wanting to go to work. You know, just wouldn't take it. Did not believe he had cancer. Okay, so look, Dad, I'm going to come help out. All right, I need you to be at home and relax. I'll take care of this for a little bit until you're ready to come back. Because you know, I didn't have a job. I was, I was I needed something to do." Um, so I stepped in and, and, and I came into his, uh, into his company and I started, um, I started from, from, from nothing there really, you know, I, and what I mean by that is that my dad had an antiquated system. It, it had already been around for I think 25 years, probably yeah, 25 years, but it was a far cry from the heydays of what it was in the eighties. Cause my father not only had cancer, but he was going through dementia. And a stubborn man going through dementia does not let you lead to believe, you know, that that things are going awry. Um, so when I when I when I had to come in and step in, I was like, OK. Ask my dad a few questions and, and, and more of this. I didn't want anything to do with moving. OK, like I went on my first truck when I was 12 years old. OK, and the truck broke down and we were going to New York and I was with his guys. And I was like, I just want to go. I want to go on a trip. Oh, I was most. I, horrible trip for me that I was like, I'm done. Right. But we are put where we are needed. Okay. And my family needed me for that right then and there. And I told my dad, I said, relax, I got it. I stepped in and I started, had to make some changes. It, it, It just wasn't, it wasn't operating. There was two trucks. There was five guys now versus, you know, what he had way back when. And things were kind of just falling apart because his mind was going. Things weren't being done properly. You know, he was still antiquated. There was still a fax machine, you know. And this is, you know, 2008, okay. Uh, there was no website presence. There was there was just nothing there. So when I came in, I looked at everything he had. I had to kind of understand the moving business because mm-hmm. I didn't know moving. My dad did it an unorthodox way of, you know, there's math behind all this. But anyhow... Um, after a few months, I was like, okay, you know, this has got wheels. There, there, there's viability here. I, I, you know, I, I can, I can do something if needed. Um, and I kept holding it together until unfortunately in 2010, my father passed. So when my father passed, it was like, I didn't have to be there. I didn't have to, to run a company anymore just to keep him happy at home, you know, um, but I already put two years of my time into this and started restructuring. So I, I, I get my previous careers taught me skill sets and things that I could implement from, you know, corporate policies and corporate structure into a blue collar labor industry. So I just I started applying these little things and, and it just kind of started working. It, it, it started growing by little by little. Um, and then, you know, getting recognized, um, some things that I had to do is, <laughs> as a story, I, I, my, my father created SEO before there was even SEO. Okay. What I, what I mean by this is that he had two companies. He had American moving company and bargain movers. Okay. He had a phone on the left side of his desk and a phone on the right side of his desk. Back in the eighties and nineties, you know, when you needed something, what did you do? Yellow pages. Yeah. So you open up the A's, 
you call triple A movers, you call five A movers, and you get to American moving, you call them, right? Flip the page, you get to the B's. Hey, there's bargain movers. I'm gonna call B bargain movers. So he was optimizing that yellow pages as best he could in 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 hustling on both sides. It's like, okay, like, you know, that was interesting. But I said, I'm shutting one down. I, I just want I want to one one company, one business, do one thing well. Yeah. Right? Um, and I chose bargain movers. It had a little bit more in uh, uh, business coming in on that side of it. And it was a little catchier to me. I liked the little logo and the truck that we had back then and everything. Um, so I just grew it from there. It was, you know, every little bit was, it was another truck, you know, and then finding new space and then growing into a warehouse where I could have, you know, storage areas versus uh, when I first started my materials, I would have to keep in the size of a five by five closet. All right. That's like ridiculous now. Right. Yeah. I, bought, I would have boxes every day and everything. Um, and then at, at one point it was like probably, you know, 2015, 15, yeah, somewhere, 14, yeah, 2013, 2014, probably about five years in, I, I got my first operations manager, somebody who could help with what I was doing. And, and when I was able to afford somebody uh, like that, then that's when I started adding a truck a year, you know, and, 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 and just growing upon that until we came to the point here, we've got seven trucks. And that's it. And, and, and that's all we want. Um, you know, I, I people laugh, but I call it riding the wave. Okay. Getting bigger is not necessarily the solution to everything because, you know, what are your goals? First of all, what do you want? Okay. Uh, for me, it was quality of life and obviously to make some money. Okay. But I, I found a nice rhythm of, of certain revenue point that allowed me a lifestyle and flexibility in life to just maintain. And that was, we could do with seven trucks and a staff of 20. So I've kept it here. You know, today I've got an operations manager, a sales manager, and my office manager. So I have three people basically running things for me so that I can oversee it now. But that was all within the last six months. Okay. I only, I always had from 2014, I had an operations slash sales guy that would help me. Um, but now uh, I took one of my drivers who'd been with me for 10 years. I said, look, I know this is not what you always you know want to do forever here. So I think you warrant the opportunity to, to run the operations. You know, the job inside and out, you're going to handle the trucks, you're going to handle the cruise, you're going to handle all the stuff that happens on that end of it. Um, and He's here to, you know, with me now six months doing in that role um, and allowed my sales guy to concentrate more on sales. So you wouldn't have to be doing what the operation because that's what he was doing his first two years with me. Right. Because mm -hmm. um, we just were small. Um, and now it, it it's humming. Right. You, you get to a point. But this is 15 years after I started. Right. It, it's yeah. not an overnight thing. It's a grind. Right. Yes, I could have hired these people before years, you know, probably years ago now that I look at it, but I wanted to get a company in place that that uh, that was going to be able to be run by these people, meaning your biggest asset outside of your guys that work for you and your staff for us is our trucks. So like when I took over the business, I, the trucks were falling apart. I, I had to get them fixed. Then I could, didn't have money. I had to go buy used trucks. Oh, that became, so, you know, I picked up inherited somebody else's problem. So about three, four years ago, I bought my first brand new truck, $110,000. Wow. Didn't think I would do it. But I weighed my options of purchasing, leasing, buying another used truck, so forth. Best thing I ever did. So over the course of those, of those last years here and grinding it out is that we bought a truck every single we brought we've we've bought a new truck every single year for the last four or five years now so now you've got your vehicles that don't need the frequent maintenance because they're newer trucks and they have longevity to them you know the, the, these trucks can run 200,000 250,000 miles right and, and mm -hmm. we're putting 25,000 miles a, a, a year on them so you know you got 10 years of longevity of a truck there 
So when you don't have those problems and those headaches and you got people doing things, you know, in, in, in their silos, right? Yeah. You, you can't see it, but on my wall here, there are eight things, eight goals that I had written down 10 years ago. And it's still taped to my, to my wall. And one of them, number four, create defined silos and workflow for office staff. Took me 15 years to get there, but, you know, it, it, it got there. And it, it's just creating creating that environment that other people can thrive in mm-hmm. now that I don't have to work the 12 hours a day because that's what I did. You know, I was selling everything, you know, during during COVID. OK, February of 2020, I had to let go of my previous operations guy for, for some other reasons. Right. So mm-hmm. we separated March of 2020. COVID hit. Wow. Okay, what are we going to do? Well, this industry went through the roof, just like all the real estate and everything else. We didn't have the downturn. But I had no operations salesperson. My office manager has got a compromised immune system. So she wasn't going out anywhere. I sat here for a whole year by myself in this office and ran this company while fact while scanning and sending stuff to martina at home but answering the calls dispatching running everything everything all of it man okay if you're not willing to do that yourself you can't expect to get to where you want to be okay because all that revenue that came in for that it just springboarded us and allowed us i think that year i bought two trucks that year right because i didn't have a payroll i didn't have people to pay but i was willing to do the work and if you're again not willing to do it, mm-hmm. then you're just going to be in la la land. You mentioned earlier, Lou, about riding the wave, and right right now you're happy with seven trucks. So do you see yourself seven trucks and that's it, or maybe it may change in the future? I don't know. <laughs> I really see myself here, man. I I I like it's manageable. Okay. Right. And, and what I mean by manageable is that, you know, I've got an office manager. I've got the three people here that work for me. Um, could they handle more? You know, probably. Would I have to oversee more? Could it cause more headaches? Yes. Um, does it necessarily mean I'm going to make more money? Not necessarily. Do I need more money? No. If I can have a place where my office and my employees have a job, to come to on a regular basis and they have a roof over the head and food on the table and everything else, then I'm fine. Right. And then that allows me to step back a little bit more and, 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 and spend time with the family. You know, I got an eight year old daughter, you know, growing up, I did not see my father so much. He was always working. Right. And then when he would get home at six o'clock at night, he'd transfer the phones from the office to the house. So no matter what, we're sitting there, dinner, you know, watching TV or whatnot. The phone rings. He knows it was. And, oh, it's bargain movers. How can I help you? I went until 8, 9 o'clock at night. So that's another thing. I, I would always hear my father on the phone. And I think that is another thing that was ingrained in me, right? Um, but back to, like, the, the the future of where we may be going. Um, no, I, I like riding this wave here. We, we, we do more with less now. And it also has to do with moving kind of up market, right? Bargain Movers has its challenges just simply from the name, right? <laughs> I, I hear it a lot. And and the whole rebrand thing is kicked around in my head for 10 years, right? Um, but it's almost like we're known, we're recognized. Why go reinvent the wheel? Um, and it's it's my father's legacy, right? And, and, and I don't want to change that now. We changed a little bit. You can see the the whole logo thing. We we can get we can get into, um, but it works. Like we've moved up market to where the homes we move today aren't the same things like I was doing 15 years ago, which were just the some of those little apartments, right? We move multi million dollar homes on a weekly basis today. You know, people that entrust us, you know, 65, 70% of what we do is all return customers or referrals these days. That's fantastic. You know, that means we've created in an environment that not only our customers 
uh, you know, appreciate what we do, but our employees do because our employees are the backbone behind this operation, right? They're the ones who are the extension of my arm out there and doing the job. So when we hire people, we hire people with heart. That's the number one thing I look for. Is somebody going to have heart? Because if they don't, then they're not going to care about their job. I can teach you how to do everything else, but that's the only thing. And most guys with us have been with us five to 10 years. I got two guys that are going on close to 20 years, right? Wow. Um, yeah, 20 years from my, from when my dad was, uh, was running the place. Um, so again, doing more with less and not necessarily needing to do, we don't need to do 120 jobs in a month. We can do 70 and still be just as profitable. But that came with time. You mentioned finding team members with heart. How do you go about finding that right person with heart? What do you look out for? Well, fortunately here, everybody I've ever needed has walked through that front door. Really? For the most part. Very rarely have we gone out scouting, looking for people, right? Mm -hmm. uh, occasionally we do and we'll post something, but most of the guys know somebody or have a friend who, you know, need a job, mm -hmm. they want to come. Um, I got a couple guys, their sons who are like 19 mm -hmm. are coming to work with us, right? Um, and then when you meet them, I pretty much know within the first 30 seconds whether you're going to work for me or not. It's as simple as that. If there's a feel that I get from you and I know you're authentic, honest, and, and what you're portraying is not just some, you know, mm -hmm. shit, um, then I'll give them an opportunity. So right? And then feeling. it's like, what's that? He said it's, it's a gut feeling you get. And gut, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. really a gut, it's, it's a gut feeling. You know, I can't say I'm, 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 I've always been correct. I mean, I've, uh, I've been, I've judged incorrectly before uh, on it, but uh, again, if, if they have it, you can feel it. And when they come in, you can see how they interact with people. You can see what they do in the mornings and what they're doing on a job site. Um, that's, that's what really I, I look at what, once you see all that, you're like, okay. And now I've got an operations manager that it really onboards them and trains them properly from the beginning and and then can go out and see what they're really doing. But, you know, we don't bring on too many new people. We might have two new people a year, you know, okay. really, from just people kind of leaving, coming, going, and, and so forth. From, from a marketing standpoint, you just mentioned earlier as far as moving up market. You know, you started with apartments, moving apartments. Now it's multi-million dollar homes. So from a marketing perspective, how have you changed that customer base? What have you been doing differently or what are you doing now? I know you also mentioned earlier about 65 plus percent of your customer base is all returning customers and referrals. We did it organically. And what I mean by that is we just evolved into it. I got great people that work with me, right? And everybody was having such a great experience because what people tell me, your guys are so friendly, polite, cordial. Like, I, I love them. You know, I, I've got clips and clips of people that, you know, your guys were angels here today, you know. And then you reinforce that with them. You say, guys, this is fantastic. I teach them about a customer experience, not just lifting a furniture piece and moving it. It's about the experience and letting them know you create this incredible experience from the customer. We're going to have more work. We're going to have better work because they're going to talk to. So then once you start moving into different neighborhoods, they talk, you get on mm -hmm. listservs, right? And then you get on to like next door, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then one of our greatest assets is our realtor community, our realtor partners, right? Um, some of these realtors that we work with today were actually referred by one of their clients that says, hey, in case you're looking for movers for your client, call Lou at Bargain Movers. These guys are incredible, right? And that's how we've collected and and, and created these relationships with, with, with these real estate agents that, again, are selling these larger homes, right? Mm -hmm. um, and ensuring that 
once we we're giving them a feeling that we can ensure that your client is going to have a great experience and they know that regardless of whatever happens that I'm going to be accountable for and take for take care of it at the end of the day because we're not all perfect right so you build that credibility with 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 the realtor community with your with your customers again it just grows organically it it it, it evolves from there it wasn't the the marketing wasn't any different than what we were advertising, you know, with with Angie's list. Right. It wasn't that. It was none of that. Um, it was building relationships and providing quality service. Luke, the last thing, go, ahead. go ahead. No, no, please go ahead. I, I think the, the only mark, the, the, the change in marketing just came in June, which is what you know, you, you know, our old logo and our old truck and everything. You can see this thing here behind me. We wanted a look and a feel that would really show who we are today versus the little cartoon truck and, and bright yellow and, and red. And we, we wanted this to invoke emotion. Right. And when I saw this, I said, that is great. I, I love it. It gives us that feel uh, of quality and professionalism to match what we're doing and, and takes away a little bit of that stigma of, you know, hey, bargain movers. People think bargain movers like, hey, this is cheap. Well, no, we're actually not cheap. But, you know, and, and then you get a plethora of reviews behind it. There's like six, 700 reviews about us out there, right, over the years. Um, and we maintain like over a 4.8 rating mm -hmm. uh, on these platforms. So that all helps kind of complete the picture. And this was the last part that we didn't rebrand the company name, but we rebranded the company image. So I kind of did it a little in between, um, but so happy. And this has changed. Okay, one of the things that we do from you talking marketing, right? We do mailers, okay? So we get a list of homes that are listed for sale every week within a surrounding zip code area around here, right? So we, we sent out about 150 mailers. It's a six by nine envelope stuff information in there and get it out there. Um, we have been doing this since it was like about a month ago, we launched the new website, new everything. The mailers that we started sending out with the new logo, new image and everything. I saw generating more calls. Yeah. You know, is it that image? Well, people see this versus what they were seeing before. Help. right yeah this is that this is that old image here and, and, and what we were what we were running so this is what it is today um it invokes a different emotion and different feel and now that these homes are like oh okay hey these guys let's go check them out online oh my gosh 4.8 blah 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 they're rated here on the angie's list more the last 12 years you can see you know things on our website now and and, and so forth that they're willing to call and give us an opportunity. So Lou, these new mailers with a new logo just started last month and you're already seeing an uptick on the calls coming in. Up, uptick on the calls from the mailers coming in. I've done mailers for, for about four years now. Don't mm -hmm. be wrong. Last thing I thought I was ever going to do, biggest ROI there is. I, 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 I'm, I'm not one to look at junk mail for me, right? But people do. And when they, you know, homes for sale and they list it and trust me, they get like 30 of these because every moving company does it. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and yeah, we, it's, it always worked in the past, but just in June, what we did was like, wow, now we, we've, we've never pulled that much revenue in one month from our mailers before. So everything we've spent on, you know, the, the whole, process of rebranding, re-logoing, re-everything is already paying for itself and then some. And the mailer is a postcard? The mailer is actually, we do it a little bit different. All right. Um, a lot of people send a small postcard or the larger postcards. We take a six by nine envelope. Mm -hmm. We have a letter to the, the, the homeowner. And then we've got our capabilities sheet. And then there's a postcard in it with a QR code to scan and get a, you know, a coupon and, and a quote from it. Right. So that's folded in there, put it in there. So you actually have to physically open it to get to it. Okay. All right. 
So it's different than a lot of people don't do that, right? Well, this year, what we decided to do was, well, if this is our biggest ROI, and I've you know, talked to people, it's like, well, Lou, how can you, people I've talked to, Lou, how can you capitalize on more of that, right? I was like, there's only so many homes for sale in our area because I don't want to send mailers to Ashburn, right? It's it's far away for people don't want to pay the travel time, blah, blah, blah. We, we're going to concentrate in this area here, right? So what I did is I, I, I doubled down. I said, all right, well, forget this. Imagine what would happen if we just, the next week sent a, just a postcard. Hey, did you get our mailer? You know, there's a whole little saying on it or, or whatnot, but we created it specifically for them. So now that following week, they're going to get the postcard in the mail. Should we be capturing twice the amount of business? Well, something's working, right? And my hands start itching. That means something. I mean, money's coming. <laughs> you got it, but don't worry. There's somebody on the other end trying to take it out of my other pocket. So, uh, but I, I think that the way we do it and, and how we structured that is what's paying off now. You know, and in that envelope, that first mailer that they received in the mail, does it have the new logo or is it just? Oh yeah. Okay. I mean, okay. I, you, you want to see it? No, no. It, it, I'm just curious, just in case you know. Sometimes it's just why they want to leave the intrigue and the mystery there to get it open. But I wasn't sure if you put the logo on the envelope. Oh, no, 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 no. The logo is not on the envelope. But oh, it, there, is, it, okay. there is a return address label that says bargain movers. So oh, okay. they know it's a mover and they're like, OK, what is this? Almost intrigue opens it because everybody else is sending postcards. Yeah, you stand right? out right there so, with just that envelope. Like, this, this is a mover. What, what are they sending me here? It feels a little little thick. OK. And then we just need them to go, um, you know, visit the website or, or, or give us a call. Um, yeah. And it, it it works. How do you track that it's coming from that mailer? Is it the QR code or when they call, you ask how they found about you? We source we source every call. So when you call in, you know, one of the within the first three questions. So how did you hear about us? Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. And we tr and we track all that. Um, and. That's where we, you know, come up with, that's why we know like numbers of return customers versus referrals and, you know, what our realtor partners do um, and, and, and the mailers and, you know, Angie's list and next door, because we don't spend a lot on advertising, very little. Um, I, when I, when, again, when I started into this, it was more of a grassroots campaign, meaning mm -hmm. I was out knocking on doors, going to apartment complexes, going to storage facilities, because I didn't have any money. I, I didn't have an advertising budget, right? Yeah. Um, and <clears throat> even today, we spend very little on advertising uh, simply because of the word of mouth that has already been out there. And we got to the crest of the wave. So I don't need to spend any more to generate another $20,000 in business. Like, you know, there's no sense for me to, why spend $10,000 to sell another $30,000 that at the end of the day, once you pay your staff, your trucks and everything, you're going to need to get it. Your profit's gone. You know, the 30, the 10, there, there's your 30, you know, your 33% or, or whatnot, because businesses operate 20 to 30% profitability, right? Well, it's gone. So I'd rather grow it organically and, and get those referrals, you know, and, and, and I do other things like we won't be advertising, but we'll sponsor tournaments. I've sponsored realtor uh, um, appreciation dinners, right? Mm -hmm. uh, golf tournaments. Uh, I just did a, a football camp uh, a few weeks ago with one, with one of my realtor friends, um, a guy who played for the Redskins and now plays for the Bills up there and put on a free camp in Virginia. And, you know, we sponsored to kind of, again, give back to the community as much as we can through the people we work with, because at the end of the day, we should be thankful and grateful for everything we do have. Right. Lou, what would you say drives and motivates you today? You know, today it's different. Um, So my mom passed away three years ago. Oof. Sorry, man. It's okay. Take your time. My mom was my everything, right? 
So that was a real big, big drive for me because what a lot of people don't know or realize is that like me and my mom, when we got here, when I say got here, I mean to the United States because I was nearly, I was born the day after my mom got to this country, you know, um, and I was, a, uh, I, I was born premature. Um, my mom, we were, she was in Spain at the time and didn't want to have me in Spain and she wanted to come to the United States and with nothing. Um, there was a, a nurse uh, named Angelita, Angel. Knew we had nowhere to go. She took my mom and I in. So we lived there in the basement of the house for the first eight years of our life. And then, you know, my father came and everything else and, and, and so forth. But like that gave me so much perspective and respect for what my mom did. And my mom was a housekeeper. Okay, my mom cleaned houses, you know, until the, she wouldn't even retire until, until she passed away. Like only the last couple of years did she stop. But it put things in perspective for me and to appreciate everything. And like I worked and drove so hard because I wanted to give my mom everything I could. So now what kind of shifts is my daughter and my family today? You know, my daughter's name is Angelique. She's my little angel today. Um, and in knowing that I want to create a foundation for my family to be able to thrive from, right? Um, though that motivates me, you know, wanting to create an environment where people can succeed in that's my other motivation, right? Um, I, I love when people are happy to come to work or I can help them get to where they need to be. You know, whether it's my 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 staff, uh, I'm sorry, my, my guys on the trucks that don't understand how to do everything in, in business and life or whatnot. And I can pull from my experiences and teach them that and help them along the way, whether it's, you know, buying their first vehicle, purchasing a house, you know, uh, you name it, there little things like that, um, to where even my staff here, uh, you know, my sales guy, I, when, when I was interviewing people, I saw potential. I saw raw potential that I could really grow. And I said, I want to give this guy an opportunity and I'm going to teach him things that people did with me. And I want to try to help him as best I can and pull him completely different guy today, two years later. Right sells great, you know, uh, has learned a lot. And, and, and that's what kind of invigorates, motivates me today for, for, for these kinds of things, right? It's, it's where can we be better people for the people around us? Because, you know, we live in a chaotic time, you know, where faces are buried in our phones at all time, our friends are on a screen, you know, um, and, and, I, I, I tell my staff, so it's like, look, we're we're in this little sphere, okay? This is our, this is going to be our world, and and we're gonna we're gonna take care of each other, right? And explaining a symbiotic relationship with them, right? Because I obviously can't do anything that I do today if I don't have my staff doing what they do. They can't do what they do if I didn't start this, perform this, and kept it all together, right? Um, and if we play in that little bubble, things will be okay. Right. Um, and, and that's just kind of been our, our my mindset with, with this place and, and making sure that, again, at the end of the day, people are just taken care of. Lou, coming to an end here soon, what advice would you give to someone starting a new business, any type of business, whether they're providing a service or selling a product? Any pointers? Um, one, do your research. OK, thoroughly investigate the product or service that you want to get into. Right. Secondly. It's a grind. You're going to have to grind this out. There is no easy way to where if you want to be a business owner that you're going to get there without it. Right. And then one of the hardest things for me, delegate as soon as possible. <laughs> right. Um because we as business owners have control issues um, and we need to understand that it's okay that somebody does something to the 80% of your ability and, and, and it's going to be all right. That was one of the hardest things that, that I had to learn. And, you know, again, now I've got 
15 years later, I've got the people in place to, to do it all. Right. Um, but those things, you know, um, and, and, and continue to improve yourself, like read, right. Reading is what's going to probably get you there instead of watching videos, you know, ignore it or TikTok, Instagram, 30 second videos, but Friend of mine wrote in a book to me a long time ago, Lou, you will become more like the people you surround yourself with and the books you read within a year's time. Started really reading, hanging out with different people that year. And boy, my life was different. And it's those, those little moments that, that people just touch in your life that teach you those things. But if you're not able to receive them and, and take them in, then it's just not, it, it's not going to work. Yeah, that's so true. What's your biggest challenge with your role at Bargain Movers today? Letting everybody do their job. <laughs> <laughs> the micromanaging part again. Yeah, man. Um, you know, I gotta be honest. Thankfully, I, there aren't there aren't too many challenges, right? Because we, we're at a point today where everything we've worked for for the last 15 years is come to accumulate a, 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 a point where it's functioning. Yeah. Right. Um, so, you know, my, my challenge is, I'll, I'll say this is that I worry about because this is cyclical business, right? Summertime we're up and then we get down in the winter time. Always ensuring that I have work for all my guys. Right. That that's, that's a challenge in the off season. Um, and, and that's why I work to, to, to create these relationships to even in the off season, be busy. And, you know, the last couple of years, it's been great. We, we've been busy throughout the, throughout the whole year. Um, mm -hmm. but we're going to see what happens with the market now, but those are my real own challenges. Um, you know, challenges to get out of here and go spend some time with the family, you know, cause if, if everything I did was for that, then I need to leave the office and go and spend that time with the family. Yeah. What would you, what do you know now? What would you say you know now that you wish you would have known at the start of your career? Um, people are going to come and go. Okay. Throughout your company, throughout your life, but with employees and staff and so forth, understand that and be okay with it. Okay. It's not the end of the world. That, that was very hard for me to learn the first few years because when you lost a good driver or you lost an office person here, right? Something like, oh man, it's not the end of the world. That is as a business owner, your job is not just the, you know, whatever business you're in, you're a problem solver. There's a problem, your job to get the solution. Problem, solution. That, that is a business owner for you, right? And understanding that the, and your business is not going to be crippled because one or two people decide they want to go somewhere else. There's always something there to replace, maybe different or so forth. Uh, but that'd be one of the biggest things. Lou, I, I know you've mentioned family and your daughter. When you're not busy working and running the business, what do you like to do for fun in your free time? <laughs> um, well... Let's just say that midlife crisis stuff is real, okay? Because once you start hitting close to 50, you start realizing, what what am I doing here? So I went and bought a Harley. So I am out on my motorcycle when I can, all right? Wrap on, enjoy. I used to ride a, I used to ride a motorcycle in college. So it had been 20, you know, close to 30, 25 years since I had ridden a motorcycle. But I did that. So I enjoy my, uh, riding my Harley. And now I've picked up golf again after 15 years. And I try to get out there and practice some of that. So if I can do that, if I'm not with the family, then that that's where I like to spend my time. <laughs> Did you also get the, you know, the black leather jacket or vest with the Harley logo in the back? Oh, I, I, I got it all, man. The oh, jacket, you the, the pants. You, you, I, I got to dress properly, man, because I, I mean, you got to dress for the fall, you know, not, not for the ride. Like I won't, I, you got to have protective gear, man, but yeah, it's uh, it, it's a lot of fun. My my wife and daughter, they're like waiting to get on with me. They're like, "When are we gonna take?" I was like, "Well, I need to get the backrest for you. I gotta get the pegs here for you." And she, I'm like, "They're just excited about it." I'm like, "Really?" You know? She's like, "Yeah, yeah." I'm like, "Okay." 
not just me uh, with nerves about you know my family you know my daughter or my wife on the back of my motorcycle <laughs> nice lou if people want to learn more about you and bargain movers where can they find out more information where can they learn more uh the best place would be our website you know bargainmoversinc.com uh there's a wealth of information out there or you know feel free to you know give us a call here at the office uh and and we're more than happy to help out any way we can Thank you so much for coming, buddy. You had an awesome time. <laughs> Thanks, Odo. Appreciate you, brother. Thank you. If you haven't done so already, please make sure to subscribe to the show and leave a review and comment and let me know what you think. Thank you, and I'll see you all very soon on the next episode.